It all started with a dream. This is so stupid! <laughs> In my whole life for this. <laughs> I got some things to say. I'm still slowly dying, but uh. hey, we all are. <laughs> Good morning, Back Row Radio. I'm Matt, and I am alone in the studio today, and you're streaming the morning side hug. Completely loving, socially awkward, and decidedly Christian. We are a Back Row Morning Show exclusively on BackRowRadio.com. And on today's show, uh, well, a smattering of things, really. We're going to be talking about uh, the latest Celebrate Recovery Summit. We're going to be talking about the music career of White Lantern. And our friend John Berkey is going to be sharing with us a message on our current times called Hoping for Struggle. It's... uh, going to be good it's going to be good glad to have you here uh like i said it's going to sound a little bit different today because i am alone in the studio originally when when we left you on monday uh monday hillary and i were in the studio and we we brought to you a typical normal morning show uh and then instead of doing our tuesday show live we moved our wednesday best of to tuesday uh because today was supposed to be something different and something special and uh, Mo is supposed to be back today and things have changed in our schedule just a bit uh, and so Mo's not actually going to be back until next week and uh, as you may or may not be aware we're on a bit of a a light schedule I guess uh, for the summer uh, as we're leading up to our new school year and our new season and actually something New happening here at Back Row Radio that we can't yet talk about, but we have been working on behind the scenes for the last several months. We're very excited for this big change to come around. Uh, but until until we get even closer to that, I can't let you in into what that change is. But uh, just know things are happening. Things are happening both in the, the focus, the scope of this station and uh, the overall mission, you know, the, the, the focus on outreach and, and the direction of what we want to do with this station, where we want to take it, uh, what purpose behind it we want to have beyond just playing awesome Christian music that doesn't get enough airtime. Uh, so we've got, we got things in the works. It's very exciting. But since that has happened, uh, it's just me today. I didn't want to just throw another best of at you. I wanted to bring you something different, something new. And so that's what we're going to kind of do today. Today I'm going to talk to you about a few different things, though. We're not going to stay on the, the typical morning show format that we normally have. Instead, I want to be a little bit more informal with you this morning uh, as you are working or driving to work or just listening at home, uh, I want you to feel comfortable. Just just, just lean back, close your eyes, unless you're driving. Don't do that if you're driving. Uh, <laughs> but enjoy the, the dulcet sounds of, of my voice. Uh, actually, what's really cool, this, this past week I got to attend virtually the uh, 29th annual Celebrate Recovery Summit. Uh, for those of you who listen for a long time, you've heard Mo and I talk about Celebrate Recovery uh, pretty much constantly 
<laughs> since we since we started this morning show. Um, Celebrate Recovery is a faith-based 12-step recovery program for all habits, hang-ups, and hurts. So if you go to like Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, that's a small group. You go there and that's for people who struggle with alcohol. You have Narcotics Anonymous for people who struggle with narcotics. Celebrate Recovery encompasses everybody. And the way they do that is is unique from all the other 12-step groups in that they have both elements of a large group and a small group. And then in addition to that, they also have what's known as a step study. But for the main like meeting night, you have large group and small group. And large group, everybody meets together. People that are there for drugs and alcohol, people that are there for pornography addiction, food addiction, gambling addiction, anger issues, um, all, all that kind of stuff, all meeting together. And we have a lesson, we share a testimony, we share a time of worship, we do some fun stuff, we hand out recovery chips, do all kinds of great, great uh, together family, forever family type uh, fellowship and, and communal nature uh, service stuff. And then, then we break up into smaller groups and do our normal, like the meeting time where you're the one sharing your struggles or your victories or your your prayer requests and and uh you get that encouragement and you're able to get that stuff off your chest and and it's great it's 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 a, it's a twofold process every every week and we found it to be extremely beneficial and it's been going on now for 29 years it was started out of Rick Warren's church Saddleback Church uh by a man named John Baker who he himself had a huge story of transformation through recovery. And it was through Alcoholics Anonymous. He started in Alcoholics Anonymous. He got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. But the one thing that really nagged at him was the lack of focus when it came to the higher power. Now, originally, when Alcoholics Anonymous was started, it was started as a, as a Christian-focused program, not, not exclusively for Christians, but the God, the higher power, was supposed to be God, actual Jesus Christ God. And that had that quickly you know, became secularized a bit in that that higher power could kind of be whatever you deemed it to be, which is absolutely fine. Uh, not knocking it at all. Alcoholics Anonymous has done a fantastic job uh, in the recovery realm for decades and decades. But Celebrate Recovery wanted to come in and do something more focused on the faith aspect to elevate the idea of giving your life and your will over to your higher power because the only one true higher power Jesus Christ is the one that is going to not only bring you out of your recovery, but actually restore your life, not just stop you from, from destroying it, but actually restoring the things you've lost, building back up from that foundation, giving you new purpose, giving you a new heart and mind. These, these are key elements in this restoration process that secular recovery programs kind of leave out and it's a fantastic reason to start a faith-based version and in this the last nearly 30 years now this program which just started at Saddleback Church has now grown 
to be such a large worldwide movement. You go to any, definitely any area in America, you're likely going to find at least one CR within 20 miles of you. If you go to bigger cities, you're going to find dozens of groups at least. We live in a city of about 40, 50,000 people. We have four in our area. And that's fantastic. And the goal would be to have one every night of the week in our area. The program itself I've been a part of since 2006. So I'm coming up on, I'm nearly half the time it's existed, I've been involved with it. And first, of course, just as an attendee, as, as someone who was coming to work on his own struggles. And that has now changed over time as I became like a small group leader. I became a ministry uh, co-ministry leader. And now for the last uh, three years or so, I have led the ministry in our church. And it's, uh, it's currently the biggest one in our town. And the number isn't about bragging, but what it is about is it's working. You know, it's something that, that people need and people utilize every single week. And what, what hurts about this ministry is that we know that most people who come to it, especially when they're here for the first time, they really don't want to be here. You know, you go Sunday morning to a church, most people who are there at least kind of want to be there, you know? They're not forced to be there unless you're, you know, a punk teenager or something whose mom is making you. But, you know, for the most part, people are there because they want to be there, and that's a different energy. When it comes to Thursday night, you know that there's at least a big percentage in that room who wish they didn't have to go through this. It's kind of like uh, how they talk about police officers. You know, police officers need to get a little bit uh, of slack when it comes to their, you know, emotions and whatnot, because they deal, the people that they deal with every day are people who are having the worst day of their life. You know what I mean? It's hard to keep your spirits up when everybody that you interact with is having a terrible, terrible time. And that's, that's, that's the challenge of leading a celebrate recovery is that you know that there are a lot of people in that room who are in the worst moments of their life. That's why I started coming. That's why most of the people that I've come across have started coming. And in fact, several of us had to start coming legally. Like we were forced to come to a recovery program on a regular basis and prove that we were there. It is a tough, tough situation. But when you see the transforming power of Celebrate Recovery, of Jesus using this program to open up the eyes, free the hearts and minds of the people that walk through these doors, how their lives get incrementally better each and every week, how their milestones get bigger and bigger, how they get these chips and these coins, and suddenly they are a couple years deep into sobriety, and my goodness, the change that has happened in that time. It's phenomenal, and it makes every hardship about leading more than worth it. I've been able to pray with, I've been able to sponsor, I've been able to just talk with and hear the testimonies of so many people who needed Celebrate Recovery just like I did. 
Because at its heart, Celebrate Recovery is what church is supposed to be. It is a place where you can come and admit your flaws, admit your failures, admit your struggles, and find encouragement and healing. You find forgiveness. You find growth. No masks required. Now, I'm not talking about the face masks of, of uh, COVID. I'm talking about the, the I'm fines, the it's all good, the I'm blessed and highly favored mask that we put on, those fake smiles that we plaster on when we walk into the church doors. You don't need to do that here. You don't need to do that there either, but it's become so ingrained in the process of a Sunday morning that everybody feels that they have to put on that, that facade because they assume that everybody else's life is going great and they don't want to pretend or they don't want to uh, let it all out that their life isn't going great. When in reality, nearly everybody on a Sunday morning is wearing some kind of facade, wearing some kind of fake smile. But at CR, you don't have to do that. At CR, you have this, this expectation of, of confidentiality and anonymity that you can come in and you can bear your soul, bear your struggles and walk out with that weight at least partially off your shoulders. You get to walk out a little bit taller than you walked in, and that is a fantastic, fantastic mission. And at its heart, this program becomes a discipleship program because it is teaching you how to allow God to come in and rewrite your brain, to change the way that you react to things, the way you act on your own, the, the, the motivation behind the way you treat people and yourself. It helps you to learn why forgiveness is such an important aspect of life and how harboring unforgiveness will destroy your soul and will keep you from trusting people, keep you from loving, keep you from all the good things in this life. How these hurts, habits, and hangups can weigh us down so incredibly heavily to the point that we can't breathe. But we let that happen. We let that become the norm in our lives, and so we get used to it. But what we don't realize is that we're missing out so much, missing out on so much of life, so much of what God has planned for us to do, how he has planned for us to interact the blessings that he has prepared for us in the future. If we just continue to let ourselves be held captive under the foot of these addictions and bad habits and old hurts and, and hangups of every kind, we don't move. We don't grow. We don't change. And life is not going to be what it could be. And that's not to say that you're never going to have issues again, but you will know how to handle them. You'll have learned tools on how to, to properly respond when tragedy or pain or hurt or mistrust comes your way. It's a brilliant program. And we attended the summit. Normally every year there is a big summit, mostly for leaders. They, you know, they invite anybody who's interested in the program, but it's, it's, it's typically for leaders who are either starting Celebrate Recovery or just continuing needing like a recharge or, or a reminder or learning new techniques or meeting with other people. It's a big, cool thing. They usually do this every year, one big one on the East Coast and one big one on the West Coast at Saddleback Church. And typically about 3,500 people attend. 
um, both of them. And uh, they come from all over the world, of course, all over the world. They even have CRs in prisons now called CR Inside, uh, which is, is quickly becoming one of the, the main recovery programs, you know, in our, in our prison system. And the, uh, the summit is supposed to be where you go and you, you, take, you take all these classes, you take all these, these focused uh, presentations, these focused uh, meetings, as well as a large group kind of thing where you're learning overall CR mechanics. And uh, there's a lot of fun stuff involved, too. You know, the skit guys will come out for that. Hosanna Poetry comes out. They usually have a few concerts. I've seen for King & Country out there, Zach Williams, Plump, uh, a lot of great great bands as well. It's a really cool event. Uh, it's it's expensive to get there because, you know, it's, it's ha- more than half a week. Uh, it's a very big deal. But this year, because of COVID, didn't really happen, didn't materialize. And so what they had to do is they had to really put together a, uh, an online version, which, you know, we don't like online versions at CR. You're not allowed to have a Celebrate Recovery online, or at least you haven't been up until this year uh, and won't be able to once this crisis passes. Um, because you can't guarantee anonymity and all that kind of stuff. And so this year what they decided to do instead of interaction from everybody else is just kind of present all of their their classes and all of their small groups and whatnot in a live stream format, which wasn't ideal, but, you know, they, they worked with what they had, but they pulled off something amazing. It, it, the, the classes that they presented might have been the best ones I've ever been able to attend. Uh, even better than the ones in person. They did a fantastic job of putting these things together. Uh, high quality. The stream worked out. There are only a couple hiccups the whole two day, uh, two days worth of sessions all day long. They did a wonderful job. We do miss the camaraderie. We do miss you know nearly three thousand of us all in one room at one point. You know we we miss that that aspect of it. But this actually opened the doors for so many more people to attend that had not been able to attend or maybe never would be able to attend otherwise. Instead of the roughly six, 7,000 people that got to attend a year, they were more than double that. Over 14,000 people were able to attend this online this year, which is only going to make Celebrate Recovery a stronger thing worldwide as a community worldwide. It's going to get bigger, it's going to get stronger, and it's so encouraging to see that. Now, I wish that I could share with you some of the audio from all of these uh, live streams uh, because, goodness, they were really, really good. But the goal of this, the summits, is really to take what we learn from these classes and bring them back to our local Celebrate Recoveries. So if you are a person who struggles with a hurt habit hang-up of any kind, If there is anything that is hindering your walk with Christ, anything that is keeping you from being the man or woman that God wants you to be, from being the husband or wife that you want to be, from being the parent that you want to be, from being the the son or daughter that you want to be, if there's anything keeping you from being the best you that you can be, the the man or woman God created you to be, and the plans that God has created for you to accomplish, If there's anything standing in the way of that, Celebrate Recovery can help you. You might not think 
that you need a recovery program. You might not think that you are one of those people. But if you've tried everything else and nothing's changing and nothing's working and you're still where you were 10 years ago, give it six weeks. Find a group, attend it for six weeks. And if you don't believe that that's where God wants you to be, we will gladly give you your misery back. But I have a sneaking suspicion that before that six weeks is over, maybe even by the end of night one, you'll realize this is where God wants you. I've seen it happen time and time again. I have not yet met a volunteer for Celebrate Recovery who has come in saying, yeah, I'll just help out with the program, who hasn't eventually reached the point where they say, okay, I also need to do the program. It is that powerful, that life-changing. And so that's my pitch to you in this season of the Celebrate Recovery Summit. This is where change happens. Now, right now, I know there, there, there are several that aren't meeting. There are several that aren't meeting in full. Right now, my current CR, we're only allowed to have our large group time. And even then, we're only allowed to have a certain number of people in the building. And everybody has to wear masks. And we can't do our small groups. And that's a big bummer. And we're trying to work it around the best we can. And we're hoping that things are going to lighten up soon. But we don't know when that's coming because of COVID. And so there might be some areas of America that aren't meeting or are meeting in a limited capacity but it's worth it to search it out still if you want to find a cr in your area visit backrowradio.com cr and that will take you to the cr group locator and like i said it's almost a guarantee you'll find one within 20 miles of you likely in your hometown and it is well worth it. We're going to take a break. We're going to play some music. And then when I come back, I am going to tell you about another project of mine, another thing that has helped me get through this COVID season and uh, kind of the, the long history of it. Uh, not a serious project, more of a fun thing. And so I'm excited to share about it with you today. I'll be back. Stick around. Suppose I was to say to you, it was possible to get those test answers. I would say go for that. Anne could have said so in a text. I'm asking you if you know the difference between right and wrong. I discovered at a very early age that if I talk long enough, I could make anything right or wrong. So either I'm God or truth is relative. And in either case, booyah. Oh, interesting. It's just the average person has a much harder time saying booyah to moral relativism. Duncan, you don't have to play shrink to protect your pride. I accept. You're chicken. Are you trying to use reverse psychology on a psychologist? No, I'm just using regular psychology on a spineless British twin. I'm a professor. You can't talk to me that way. A six-year-old girl could talk to you that way. Yes, because that would be adorable. No, because you're a five-year-old girl and there's a pecking order. Fine, I'll do it. Thank you. In the pilot episode of the first season of Community, we see Jeff Winger, disgraced former lawyer who is practicing law without a law degree, starting Community College in his attempt to actually acquire one. 
But of course, his backhanded ways have not come to an end just yet, as he's trying to coerce a former client of his and a professor at this community college of Greendale to give him every answer to every test for every class he's ever going to take for the next four years. And true to his character, he really is able to convince almost anyone to do or believe anything he wants them to, given enough time and enough opportunity to talk. That level of lying and manipulation is a pretty decent skill that most of us learn early on in life, and a lot of us have become experts. In fact, sometimes we're able to move the chess pieces around the board so well, well, it's almost like you've become something unstoppable. I mean, it truly becomes like a superpower. We become masters of manipulation, taking our insecurities, our fears, and the things that we struggle with, and instead internalizing those to aim them back at other people, pointing out their flaws, their insecurities, their pains, frankly, doing everything that we are terrified someone will one day do to us. And we use it for our gain. There's a whole televangelist industry out there that makes a living off of doing this kind of thing. They come as wolves in sheep's clothing, manipulating all of their listeners by using buzzwords and, and scripture they've twisted for their own purposes, all for their monetary gain. And even when they're called out on this deception, they are almost always able to talk their way out of it to where everybody who's been listening to them for so many years will continue to believe in them and send them money. Proverbs 21.6 says, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. So if you're actively out there lying and manipulating for your personal and monetary gain, it might last for a little while. But if you think you're gonna be able to keep this up indefinitely without God stepping in, I wish you luck. Okay, you know, uh-oh. Okay, there's more to this speech. There's actually a middle card that is missing. Can we all look around our immediate areas? So I really wanted to... Subscribe to Binge Watching for Jesus on Spotify and make sure that you catch new episodes every week right here on Back Row Radio. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug. It is me, Matt, flying solo here in the studio today and uh, sharing with you a few few things kind of inspired by things that have been going on lately. Um, last hour, I talked about the Celebrate Recovery Summit, which uh, was all online this year because of COVID. Next hour, my buddy John is actually presenting a message about struggling in this tough time and how this struggle can produce character and ultimately joy in us. Uh, but right now, I want to share with you something that I've been uh, a project I've been working on lately that has been kind of my coping mechanism for all the stress that's been going on during this time. Uh, jumping back to the Celebrate Recovery mindset, you know, Celebrate Recovery is a, it's a 12-step program. for It's a faith-based 12-step program. And, and one of the things that you learn in these 12-step programs is that once you uh, get rid of your habits, like once you're able to finally surrender your bad habits they can always jump right back into your life. Like it's, it's something that you might've heard uh, with Alcoholics Anonymous is that you, you'll, you'll never not be an alcoholic. You can go for 10 years, two decades, three decades without ever touching a drop of alcohol. But because you are already predisposed at this point to using that as a coping mechanism, if you let yourself slip back into it, even with just, the, the simplest, like a sip of champagne at a wedding, that could be enough to trigger you 
back into that lifestyle. And so you always have to treat yourself like an alcoholic and not trust yourself around alcohol because you don't want to fall back into those bad habits. The same thing applies to pretty much everything that you've let become a bad habit. You're always going to be a food addict if you've been a food addict for all of your life. Even if you lose a whole bunch of weight, even if you learn a whole bunch of new techniques, all it takes is one bad day where you run to food and all that progress is going to get undone because now you're back in the food addict world. That's why like everybody who joins, you know, remember the biggest loser on NBC? I think it was NBC. Biggest loser. They'd come in there four, 500 pounds, 600 pounds. They'd lose a heck ton of weight. You would see them drop and drop and drop nearly every single one of the people that left biggest loser even the winners gained all the weight back i mean it's it's just it's it's not enough to just have a small stretch where you do fine what you have to do is replace those bad habits with good things you have to train yourself to have better responses to stress to anxiety, to depression. You have to get yourself in a mode where you're able to run to God instead of running to your addiction, to hand that stuff over and instead do something positive, do something uh, uplifting, do something that'll build you up, do something that'll build up others. One of the things that I have learned in my life is that when I am stressed out, when I am depressed, I need to get creative. I need to do something that challenge uh, that challenges me, something that highlights some of the talents that God's given me, and basically do something that's that's fun and productive instead of quote unquote fun and destructive. Like it would be a lot of fun to just sit down and eat a whole pizza. But that's not productive, <laughs> you know? It might cure my, my stress or my anxiety for the moment, but that's not productive. And so I am, I go by the, uh, I guess it's not a stage name per se, but I go by the artist name of White Lantern. Uh, it's, it's based on a comic book, uh, has nothing to do with me being white, though I am quite white. Uh, it's based on a comic book character. I don't want to get into the whole story of, of the name because that will take this entire segment in and of itself. But back when I was in high school, uh, I, I got my first taste of like performing music beyond like choir. You know, I've been in choir and all that for forever. But like being in like a musician, being as a part of a band, got my first taste when a band, a local high school band named Shifty 150 lost their lead singer. Me and me and my friend Bubba from Love Thy Nerd, we had been hanging out with these guys for a while. And then they, they, had a, they had a falling out with their lead singer. The lead singer dropped out. They needed someone to fill in because they were actually going to be recording an album soon. And uh, I stepped in. This was a punk rock band. I was not a punk kid. I was not a rock singer. I did not do a great job, but it was incredibly fun. Incredibly fun. A big stress relief. We did record that album. Here, just have a little taste of how terrible this was.
Okay, 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 okay. That's enough of that. See, I mean, maybe not the worst uh, high school punk rock band you've ever heard, but definitely not something I I would ever play on this station. <laughs> Uh, so that, I mean, that didn't last long. I remember that, that recording studio session, which was, it was this guy's house that he had set up as a recording studio, which was really neat. But, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a cheap session. It was a cheap production value. It was pretty awful, but it was such an incredibly fun time. But I do remember recording, uh, because I had not had a lot of experience as a, as a rock and roller, you know, as a, as a louding and aggressive vocalist. The guy had to like stop me singing and say, "Hey, you need to put a little more uh, gruff into your voice or something. You're sounding like uh, you're sounding like Backstreet Boys trying to be punk rockers." And I'm like, "Ooh, yeah, okay." Uh, but it was a really fun time. Uh, we got to do a lot of cool fundraisers for it and pass out a bunch of free CDs, and it was really neat. Uh, had a good time. Then the the leader of the band, the the guitar player. Uh, the guy who owned most of the instruments and our recording space and everything pretty much immediately left the group and left us all high and dry because basically without him there was no band uh, for reasons that still to this day are unknown to any of us. All all the rest of the band were just, what happened? We don't know. He's just, we're done. So that that's, that ended pretty much as quickly as it began. But it did give me the bug, man. It gave me the bug of creating music. And so my buddy Bubba and I continued to make music, and we started moving on to a um, like an acoustic format because Bubba could play guitar. And uh, we had a pretty unique writing process in that I would create lyrics and a melody, and then he would build the guitar parts around it. It worked really well. We came up with some pretty cool stuff. Got to do a, a few good things. I mean, it's, it's still not uber fantastic quality, but here, I'll let you hear just a little bit of, of some stuff that we've done. I'm tired of being laughed at. I'm tired of being left out. I'm tired of being the one that no one cares for. And I'm tired of being yelled at. I'm tired of being kicked out. I'm searching for a way that I fun project because Bubba and I basically got to work on this for the better part of two years and we got to build a lot of really neat songs. Uh, we did a Christmas song called God Bless Us Everyone, which which was really fun, really uh, a fun, fun melody to it. And then we also wrote a semi-patriotic song because, uh, again, this was shortly after 9-11 and our world was going into to war again. Um, America was going to war with Iraq. Uh, we had the war on terror raging, and so we had we had a lot of our soldiers. We live in a military town. We have a military base, uh, had an Air Force base uh, here in our town, and you know we saw a lot of people leaving. We wrote a song called "I Watched Him Go," which was a, a kind of a, a 
a two focus song. The first verse was kind of reminiscent of the Vietnam War when people would go home and, and you wouldn't know if they'd be I mean, going to war and they wouldn't know if they'd be coming back. And then the second was mirroring that with, you know, Iraq and saying, you know, I watched him go not knowing if he was going to come back, you know, that kind of thing. We got to play that actually. We got invited to our Air Force base to come play that for their all enlistment call which uh, comprised of five full auditorium uh, meetings over the course of a day. So we played that five times for every uh, person enlisted at that Air Force base. It was really, really neat. We got to have this fun exchange on the stage. They gave us these neat little presentation awards as thank yous. We got to get a tour of the base, go sit in a, in a fighter pilot jet, fighter jet, whatever they're called. Uh, just, it was, it was a really cool thing. We got to do several cool things like that. We got our first play on radio with a Christmas song that we did called my snowman melted in New Mexico. Very funny, uh, heat based Christmas song. And, uh, we eventually got invited to play that on a, a local access like Christmas show that's put on by a, a church here on Christmas Eve every year. Um, or at least was at the time. And, you know, it's just all, all of that combined made for a really fun, fun event. But then, uh, then we graduated. We graduated, and uh, the last time I think either of, our, either of us performed either of the, any of those songs was at my wedding. Uh, my buddy Bubba actually performed the, the love song from that album called The One uh, at our wedding, which was really neat. Um, and in a cool tribute to what we had done, and uh, honestly, a big gift from Bubba to to uh, me and my wife. And uh, yeah, he moved away. We moved away to college when well, it wasn't very far, but I mean, he moved pretty far. And things just fizzled out. We stopped. Like we had the idea of maybe we'd try and do some long distance stuff briefly, but. That just, you know, at the time, that just wasn't a feasible thing, you know, back then. Probably could be much more feasible now, but back then wasn't a deal. And so as college rolled around, I continued thinking, man, I'd really like to make music, but I didn't really know how. And so uh, I had a laptop, an Apple laptop at that time, and GarageBand was something that was relatively new, but it was on there, and I thought... Maybe I can just build music. And so I decided to do that. I would build music with loops and things. And there's some music that I got from other sources, other friends and other, other people that I knew. And, and, uh, and some I even actually paid for to use. And uh, I would build melodies and, and song lyrics out of the music that was given to me. And so this was a reverse of how Bubba and I did it. Before I would build the lyrics and the melody beforehand and Bubba would build the music around it. Now I was getting the music first and I was having to build a song into it, find the melody that would work with it. And uh, I had several hit or misses, several that I was pr pretty proud of, even to this day, I think would be pretty cool. I called myself Matthias back then. That was the band name, band quote unquote name. And uh, I released one, two, three, four, four albums, I think, under that name. Uh, music again, not super great quality. Here, hear a little bit of what I did back then. I need to hear the message, cause my time is coming fast. Somebody better tell me quick, cause I may never ask. What do you have that I don't have? 
was kind of the start of my experimental music phase. I enjoy music from most genres, even some of the obscure genres. And uh, I, I leaned heavily into like more of a jazz kind of sound, a kind of poppy jazz kind of thing. But but I did things of all styles that I was able to do. But back then it was kind of hard to get you know fairly good quality stuff produced. You know it was hard to do that just in my in my uh, dorm room with uh, my dorm apartment with my wife in the background. You know, I'm singing on my, my laptop. I've got a very cheap microphone computer as recording all my vocals. Like it was, uh, I say microphone, computer, computer, microphone, very cheap computer microphone. One of those plastic, tall, skinny jobbies. Very, yeah, terrible things. Uh, so that's what I did. I released a few of those albums. Um, or, well, I released two of them, and then I started working on a third, but that was when my personal problems started happening, and uh, I actually went a long stretch without making anything. Uh, I think about five years, five years, I was I was like three songs into another album, and then I stopped making music for about five years. Came back to it after that, created uh, something a little different at the time. A little bit better. You could see the quality was getting a little bit better. Here's a taste of that. got a really kind of different vibe this is not stuff that you would hear on the radio this is a very uh almost oldies feel to it this jazzy kind of uh, style but this was this is what i liked. this was the kind of music that i was i was getting into at the time and it was definitely my favorite stuff to sing and perform uh i would do this stuff i would i would perform these songs at you know my church as well and that's kind of as far as most of my performances went i got to do a couple little like concert variety shows here and there but they were all just very low-key church things uh but it was still fun you know it, it, it gave me a, it was enough of a a um enough of a joy that it you know was worth it to me you know it, it took away the struggle took away the the uh the anxiety took away the depression. And at this point, I was actively, actively trying to fight that stuff because I had several addictions that I'd let take hold of my life for a long time. And that was, you know, the key reason with such a, a, a long stretch between making music because I had essentially nearly ruined my entire life in the middle of that album. And uh, I didn't even have the, the opportunity to make music for that long period of time. And so getting back into it as I was actively trying to fight my, my, my demons, as it were, it gave me the outlet that I needed. And 
that was something that I would continue to do. Uh, eventually, I changed my name to White Lantern. Uh, I did an album of uh, cover songs after that, uh, which was really, really fun to put together, a bunch of different songs. And most of them I did not do very good at at all uh so i'm not really going to share any of those with you uh but it was fun to to pay tribute to that kind of stuff i did a a christmas album after that which i'm mostly proud of several several good things in there that uh me and both my wife and i did actually uh and a few christmas songs that i wrote myself uh on that on that album as well which was really fun but then came the probably the last album I thought I was ever going to make. Not not like I never thought I'd make this album, but like the last album I thought this was it. This was the the last one. And uh this came in 2014. And the album was called A Lot to Learn and uh I I drew on some inspirations from bands that have been up and coming at that time, like Owl City and and Thousand Foot Crutch and all those kind of people. Just I went I went all over the board, and it was a huge mix of genres in that album. Uh, still not happy with all the songs, but again, my my recording setup wasn't great at that time, uh, even then. But uh, here's some of the stuff that I did like. singing a, a like a, a mashup song that we did of How He Loves and then an original song, Sinking Ship, that we put together and made this one beautiful you know melody for. And uh, gosh, it was really fun to put together, really, really cool. Made a few really cool songs on that album. Uh, Let the Rain Fall, a really nice worship song that I did, very, very powerful. 
um, one of his, you know more contemporary style worship songs. Really neat. Tried my hand at a few <laughs> like rap projects and and uh, again some experimental stuff. It was it was weird, but it was fun. Again, it was fun. But you know, at this time, like I said, I had mostly used music to escape you know it was something that when i was struggling with anxiety or depression or pain or whatever that's that's what i would run to i'd run to music and there had been something that had just happened uh prior in 2013 that had caused me to have like this ramp up of of fear and anxiety and i didn't want to fall back into those bad habits those old bad habits and so i took to music um, but after this album was done, life really started to balance out. I had been in recovery now for, for uh, at that point, eight years. I'd been in recovery for about eight years at that point. I was a, a leader at my CR, and I was not really struggling all that much with anxiety, depression, or anything like that. Mm. I had a very long stretch of time, in fact, where that just wasn't a constant problem. There wasn't really much I needed an escape from. I was doing really well, incrementally better each and every year. And uh, then we got to the tail end of 2019, and I was at the best place in my life I'd ever been. I loved all my my multiple jobs. I loved everything that I do. I love running Back Row Radio. I loved... Being a father to my two kids, you know, things were mellowing out. And I got to the point where I was even able to let go of a habit that had been hounding me for my entire life, and that was food. Like, I was actually finally really losing weight. I had almost lost 97 pounds by the time March of this year rolled around. No, I had lost. I'm sorry. I almost lost 100. I had gotten to 97 pounds. And, you know, I'm a very big dude. And so that was a big deal. Uh, And I still had a long way to go beyond that. But that was a big deal and a fantastic beginning in just about six months time. And then COVID hit. And I, like, like many of you, I'm sure, just got smashed. Anxiety and depression just, just the stress of everything it all crumbled on top of us and even to this day it's something that we are struggling with every day cuz even when we start to see a light at the end of the tunnel things go wrong we have to backtrack we have to go back into quarantine or to lockdown restaurants have to close again you know Businesses have to close again, be more restrictive. Churches have to close again or be more restrictive. Got to wear a mask everywhere you go so you constantly feel like somebody's covering up your mouth, which can induce stress all on its own and claustrophobia and all kinds of things. It was rough, and I was losing it. I was losing my mind. I was going so far in the wrong direction i started gaining weight again i have gained 50 pounds of that back half of the progress i made is already gone and i'm only now starting to get back into the swing of of things and losing weight again i mean it is just painful sometimes and so i realized that six years later six years since the last time i made any kind of real music i realized 
I needed to make another album. I have no longing for fame, no longing for people to clamor to get my music, no longing for fans of my music. The only longing that I have is to make it because it it relieves my stress. It's a healthy, positive way to relieve stress, to be creative, to work out problems, to speak internal struggles, and to worship my God. And so a few months ago, over in the course of in the course of just a couple weeks really maybe a month's time i put an entire album together there were a few songs that i had made earlier on just for fun projects over the course of the last few years uh you know that took me a day you know it wasn't a long drawn out thing just because i had an itch but for the most part most of this album i had made in just a few weeks time it was called The Curve. And so I released an album with some of the best music I've ever made. Because now, since starting the radio station, the podcast, and the morning show, now I have like some professional equipment. I got some good, good stuff. And then there's also a plethora of people online who make music for people who just want to make music. Yeah, who, who create free-for-profit and Creative Commons Zero music for you to take and use. And I have friends in the industry that I've made over the last few years as well that make music and just let you build songs off of them. And so that's where I got my music this time, continuing in that same style. And I came out with stuff like this that you might have already heard on Back Row Radio. Take a deep breath, then stop. Lean forward, shrug your shoulders, head drop. Tears well in your eyes, wipe snot, get a tissue, hit a miscue, get caught. Fake it till you make it caught. Heart pumping, pulse pounding, knee shot. Walk up to the steps and squat. No more second thoughts, fear is a juggernaut. A significant jump in quality and that inspired me a lot too because look what I'm able to do now like this actually sounds like a song like this is something I, I feel is worthy enough to be played on back row radio which a lot of my music is not uh, and so uh, gosh I, I, I built this whole thing and I, you know, I released it and a lot of my friends who who have been around since since you know the first time I released an album as Matthias you know they're like oh my goodness another one you know including like my mother-in-law my mother-in-law is maybe my biggest fan when it comes to my music very excited that I was coming out with a new thing and so I released it and it was great there was no fanfare a few people listened to it my brother liked it my mother-in-law liked it not a big deal. Got a couple compliments here and there. Big whoop. But the idea was that I produced something. I made something that I think was cool. And that's really 
all that matters. Is it, is it positive? Is it something that's going to build you up, build your self-esteem up, build your, your, uh, your mental health up? And do you enjoy it? And so I give this away for free. It's on YouTube. It's on uh, Noise Trade. You can download it for free. But that was just, it was just made mainly for me to get some of the stuff out that I've been harboring, to tell some of the stories that I haven't told before, and ultimately to point to my God. But then it was over. And I thought it would be over. I, I remember saying, this is probably my ending. This is probably the actual finale of my quote unquote music career. <laughs> and COVID didn't go away. Things, things looked like they were going in the right direction. Things were, things were opening back up again. Things were getting better. We were all planning for the next school year and, and, uh, planning for our lives to just, just finally acclimate and, and, uh, and level off and things to go back to normal. And then things just started getting worse and worse again. And now there's just so much uncertainty. Like, how long will this last? Some are saying this is still the middle of the first wave. Are we going to get a second wave? I remember them saying for a long time, second wave is likely going to be worse. When's that going to come? What is going to happen next? I have no idea. And so as things started to close back up, things started to get tough again, and my anxiety and stress started to come back up again, I just, well, kept making music. And before you knew it, I had a whole nother full new album of music. A lot of covers from friends and bands, and a few original songs as well. And uh, just released that last Friday. Here's a bit of, of the title track, Hell or High Water. You never change, you stay the same. I rock you. Everything I'll ever need. full of songs and uh you know several of them i am extremely extremely proud of as some of the best stuff i've ever done again in just a couple months since the last time i felt that way which is the fastest i've ever created music uh 
And it's because pretty much every time I find myself in a, a point of struggle and pain and stress, I go and write music. I go and make music. I go and write lyrics and find melodies and, and build different harmonies and all kinds of stuff. And I have just a good old time. And uh, unfortunately, that's happening a lot. And so the music is coming fast. And so now I'm not saying that this is my last album. And I'm actually planning on two more. Uh, I have a, a two-part album that I'm going to start working on beginning this week that is going to be revisiting some of the older songs that we did all the way back to Table 13, uh, all the way back to Matthew and Bubba, all the way back to the Matthias days. Songs that I, I tried, songs that we tried, songs that could have been done much better, songs that need to be reimagined. I'm going to start working on those. Uh, a, a regenesis of my, my uh, musical efforts, if, it, if you will. So I've already got a list, two albums worth of, of songs I've picked out that I'm going to reimagine and redo. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also bummed that I need it. You know what I mean? But I'm glad and I'm grateful to God that I at least have this kind of outlet, something that I can use to just just peacefully, healthily let that stress go, talk that stuff out, get that stuff off my chest. And so ultimately what I want to do right now is just encourage you to find something in your life something positive, something maybe creative. I mean, we are never more like our creator than when we ourselves are being creative. Something that can uplift others or something that can just reduce the stress in you. Something healthy. And do it. Paint, write, you know, heck, stream video games. Anything that lowers your stress and helps you stay on a, a, a firm foundation. And of course, add into that a daily time in the word of God and a constant attitude of prayer. But I know that those are struggles. And sometimes we get to the point where those can feel like chores so have something as a backup that's not a chore, something that you love to do, but can also be used to glorify God. And don't worry about being good at it. Don't worry about what other people are going to think if they see it or read it. If you like making art, make some dang art. And don't be afraid to put it up next to everybody else's art. It might stink in comparison to somebody else out there. But to you, it's an accomplishment and something you should be proud of. Something you should be grateful for. A talent that you should foster. A talent that you should grow. It might not ever become anything more than a hobby. And that's okay. God didn't give us all talents just so we could become famous for using them. In fact, most of us who have talent won't ever become famous for using them. That's okay. 
but that shouldn't stop you from using them, especially if they're healthy outlets during stressful seasons. It's much better to do that than to pick up a bottle, pick up another cigarette, pick up another cheeseburger. Be healthy. That's the next message we want to take want you to take home today. We're going to take another break. This has been a long segment. When we come back, the final message for today is one of hope in the struggle. Stick around. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hook here on Back Row Radio. I am Matt. I'm alone in the studio today. Today's been kind of a special episode in that we've been taking some talking a little bit more seriously about some things. Uh, currently, you know, right now everybody's dealing with with stress, with hopelessness, with struggle, anxiety, with uh, with depression, with just having a terrible outlook because you know we don't know what's happening next. It's such an uncertain time. We're just all so on edge all the time, overly stressed. We don't know how things are going to work. Maybe some of us have lost our jobs. Maybe some of us are, are struggling in, in our relationships. Uh, many of us haven't been in church in months, and we're, we're, we're struggling for that fellowship and that, that familiar, fam, familial uh, interaction with our church body, church family. You know, all of this can be overwhelming. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrifying struggle. But one thing that we need to remember is that none of this has taken God by surprise. Okay? He, he knew this was coming. And he was hoping you'd be ready for it, honestly. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he knew this was coming and he knew that this was going to be a challenge for a lot of us. Um, and what this time has done is really kind of weeded out the people that, that – have it all together from the people that don't. And guess what? The people that don't have it all together are most of us. And this has been an opportunity instead for us to learn and to grow on uh, number one, how to care for ourselves, you know, faithfully, uh, and, and healthily, you know, how to make sure that, that we are focused on God, focused on purpose, focused on, on making sure that we don't burn out, because I'm sure a lot of us burned out really quickly once this stuff started hitting. Um, but other, the other thing that we need to learn is, is some of us have forgotten how to run to God when we struggle. Some of us have forgotten how to continue to surrender our lives every day to God. Some of us, a lot of us, most of us come into this faith thing thinking that, you know, accepting Christ is a, is a, one decision thing like we do that and we're done and and while that might secure our salvation we have to choose to hand our will over to god our lives our, our actual day-to-day -day lives over to god every single day it's it's a minute by minute choice like it's it's something that we have to constantly be aware of but too many of us don't do that. We, we check the salvation box and then we go on our merry way. And, you know, God's not going to bless that. God wants us to try harder. <laughs> God wants us to, to persevere, not give up, 
and continue to work to be better, to be more like him, to be more like Jesus. He blesses that. Even though we're never going to be good at it, we're never going to be perfect at it at all. He blesses the effort. But too many of us don't put any effort into it. And it's not always because of selfishness. It's not always because of pride. Often it's just because we let too many other things in our lives speak louder than we let our Lord speak. We let our depression, we let our stress, we let our anxiety, we let our hopelessness, we let our struggles speak louder than our God. My, uh, my brother, John Berkey, joined us for our Celebrate Recovery last week, and he gave us a message. He brought a very special message timed for this season, and he has given me permission to share that message with you tonight. His message was called Hoping for Struggle. Here it is. It's been a year. Right now, generally, would be the time during Celebrate Recovery where... The leader would come up and they would give their name, they would say, I struggle with, and they would give their struggle. Every single week we do it, two or three times already, you've heard it. If you go to the summit, you're going to hear it about 30 times a day. And there's always that one lady who wants to be really funny and be like, my name's Janine, and I suffer with codependency, and I guess I love pottery a little too much too, and say, shut up. <laughs> Nobody cares about your pottery obsession, Janine. But I want to focus on the first little bit of that statement. My name is John Berkey, and I struggle. It's been a tough year, guys. 2020 was supposed to be the year, wasn't it? Oh, it was supposed to be our year. And between, a, between a pandemic, between social discourse, between racial discourse, between political discourse... Um, Will and Jada were having problems, and of all the people, it's Will Smith and Jada. You didn't think we're going to have problems, but my mom's shaking her head over there. Um, but I have a theory, and that theory is that everyone needs to go through struggle. Everyone needs to get knocked on their back at least one time. Unfortunately, most of us are going to get knocked on our backs a bunch of times. And we see it in nature, but, but adversity, really, if we, if we look at it the right way, it can help us. In nature, if you look at uh, eagles, they say that if you help an eagle during its hatching process, the likelihood that that eagle will not live in the wilderness increases significantly. You look at cotton. What does cotton need to grow? Dry, hot climates. Every other plant in existence, like if you water me a little too much, if you don't water me enough, if it's too hot, if it's too cold, if I don't get enough sunlight, if I get enough, if I get too much sunlight, and cotton's like smoking cigarettes going, pollute more, I don't care. It's going to get hot, son. Let's do this. And... In our world, I think we've tried to take adversity away to make lives easier. You know, there are backup cameras on pickup trucks now so that you can get in your truck, you flip it in reverse, you see the, you see the, uh, the trailer hitch right there, you back up, you hook it up, and you're off to go. I learned how to back up to a trailer hitch by my dad employing 
a, a wonderful teaching technique known as yelling and using obscure hand motions like he's trying to, trying to back in a 747. Hand motions we didn't go over before I got in the car. So he's sitting there doing this, doing this, and he says this. Turn it right. Turn it right. Turn it right. Turn it right. I am turning it right. Who taught you to drive? Nobody, Dad, because I'm nine years old. And it's not always a bad thing trying to take adversity away from people. If you go into schools, you go to an elementary school, you're going to see at least one sign says something to the effect of one or more children in, uh, in this classroom has a peanut allergy, so for their safety and our safety, we're going to make this a peanut-free zone. When I was a kid, the teacher said, hey, kids, Keith has a peanut allergy, which means you probably shouldn't get too attached to him. But... Adversity is necessary, and uh, we're meant to go through trials. Paul says in Romans 5, 3 through 4, this is the verse we're going to get all of our points from tonight. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hopes. Those are my three points for the night. Trial is suffering to endurance, endurance to character, character to hope. And we're going to look at how these things matter to us and how ultimately our adversity and our struggles are going to help us become closer to God, which is really the point of it all. So suffering produces endurance. Now, think about working out. I've thought about it. I don't do it much, but I think about it. And if you want to reach a particular goal, whether that is weight loss, whether that is muscle gain, whether it's, you know, you, you want to run faster, jump higher, all that, you have to get into a point of discomfort. Muhammad Ali used to have a, or had a quote that said, I don't count all of my sit-ups. I only start counting when it starts hurting, because those are the only ones that count. And I could argue with Muhammad Ali, but the fact of the matter is, he beat up Sonny Liston to win the world heavyweight boxing title, and I ate 90 pizza rolls in one sitting once in college. We've all accomplished different things. But when we suffer, we have an opportunity to grow in our endurance, to, to mature. Jordan Peterson once said, the way that you make people resilient is by voluntarily exposing them to things that they are afraid of and that make them uncomfortable. James 1, 3 through 4 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Endurance is such an important thing because it completes us. It molds us. It gets us ready for that next thing. There is a, uh, there's a skit guy's video where, where God is chiseling away the things that he doesn't want. That's what endurance does to us. That's what trials do to us. It, it takes us and molds us and gets away all of the, the crap that we don't need in our lives. And what's left is what God desires. And we have to be patient, though. That's the kicker. You got to be patient because the Christian walk is not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're in this for the long haul. 
Trials produce endurance because it removes a lot of the things we don't need. It takes anger and laziness and pride, turns that into joy, into, uh, into eagerness, into humility. It, becomes, it makes us become the things that God wants for us. It makes the fruit of the Spirit kind of come to light. But it can take time, and, and the problem is, is that some people don't allow that time to happen. They allow their suffering to overcome them. But once we allow God to do work in us through suffering, we can begin to build character. Think about gold. Gold might be one of the most important metals that we have because gold literally establishes the value of things. When I buy something, they are giving me a price based on the weight of gold and how much that weight is worth. But not all gold is created equal, right? So to purify gold, you have to get it hot. You have to get it up to about 2,000 degrees so it melts. And then all of that junk that's not gold rises to the top. And you can scrape all of it off. And the smelter will know that the gold is done when he look inside of it. And he sees his own reflection looking back at him with no, nothing to obscure his view. You see where I'm going with this? God's going to know that we're ready when he looks into our lives and he sees himself. When he sees the characteristics that he desires. And yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of pressure sometimes. But pressure makes diamonds, y'all. Ezekiel 36:26 says, "And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you." God wants to take away the stuff that's not him. We can't be walking around with all that stuff. It just weighs us down. It's useless. It's junk. Now, there are about 50 different characteristics that make up biblical character, and we are going to one by one go over every single one of them. Man, y'all are patient. I'm not going to go over all of them. I'm going to go over four of them. It's not a, this is not a, an exclusive list. This is not necessarily a complete list. But I think once we can get these characteristics to appear, these other characteristics will start to show their faces. And we can start living a life that is so wonderful and so God-pleasing and perfect. It's the life that God planned for us. So the first characteristic we want to look at is peace. John 16:33 says, because I didn't write in my notes, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Struggle is difficult because it, it gets in our heads and, and we become fried and we become frantic and it starts to tear apart almost at the synapses. Have you ever just been so stressed out that you shook and you couldn't stop shaking no matter what you did? That's not going to get you through this. Anger is not going to get you through this. Stress is not going to get you through this. It's not a good thing to hold in. So when you come to those moments 
Take a step back. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out through your mouth. And when you're ready, step back into it. Peace is difficult in struggle because the last thing we want to do is stop trying to fix our struggle, ourselves. But that's what got us into this mess in the first place, right? Because we thought we could do this all on our own. That's why we're here. Because we came to a realization that a power greater than ourselves is in control here. Is this starting to sound familiar? And when we come to a realization that God is in control and that God is, is bigger than any of this, it's a freeing experience. And it takes time. It takes, it takes time to master that ability. I haven't mastered that ability. But once we have peace, once we stop shaking, and we can just breathe... We start to make other characteristics appear like joyfulness. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Joy is difficult um, when we're going through adversity because when we're going through, when we're having problems, when we're stuck in a rut, we almost like to stay in a rut. Have you ever met somebody that just didn't want to be happy? Like No matter what you did, no matter what they did, they just didn't want to be happy. You could show them the Mona Lisa, and they would just wouldn't get it. They wouldn't understand why it was so beautiful. But joyfulness is, is something that if we work hard enough, we can kind of make appear. When we look at the little things in life, and we say, you know what? It sucks that I lost my job, but you know what? I hated that place anyway. My AC doesn't work in my truck, but I can get from A to B. It works. And eventually, once we start finding joy in the little things, and we find joy in another little thing, and then we find joy in another smaller thing, eventually we don't have to try. Eventually, you just wake up, and you find joyfulness. You're happy. You're living your life. And, and, and it's not to say that nothing will ever bring you down, but when things do knock you down... You get back up again. They're never going to keep you down. We realize that God is always there. One of y'all got that. Positive emotions uh, play an important role in resilience uh, because they provide relief from stress. They allow our bodies and our minds to break that cycle of doom and gloom because it does like this, and then joyfulness comes along and it stops it. And it says, we don't have to do this today. It can broaden our mindset uh, and help us gain new perspective. So once we've conquered peace, once we've found joy in our lives, the next thing we do is just worship God. We stand in awe of his presence. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Nope, that's wrong. I'm ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Hebrews... Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, 
And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. That means that no matter what happens, no matter how down you think you are, you stand on a foundation that is made of rock. You stand on a foundation that, that is built on God. And God doesn't bow to nobody. He doesn't get shaken by anybody. Nobody ruffles God's feathers. And again, it, this is hard. Think about Job. Job comes, oh, yeah, indeed. Job comes to this point where everything has been taken from him. His livestock, his livelihood, his house, his family. He's got itchy skin. I don't know. It's, it's, it's awful. And what does Job say there at the end? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Because Job realizes that this isn't the end of the road. This life we're living here, this isn't it. This isn't the end, guys. There's going to come a time when we all close our eyes one last time. We all draw one final breath. But then we're going to open our eyes on the other side. And ooh, it's going to be pretty. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The next, uh, the next thing is faith. Now, faith is what's going to tie all of this together. If you don't have faith, if you haven't figured faith out, this is where you start. Because faith is how we achieve peace. Faith is how we know what we can have joy in. Faith is how we know where we worship and who to put our worship in. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now you can put it up, says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is so important because faith and hope go together. And our end goal is hope. Because we figured out how trials become endurance and endurance becomes character. And hope is the last thing. Once we have hope, we look at life in a very different perspective. Faith is the firm expectation that God will perform all that he has promised to you. And again, he didn't promise us anything here. Don't let anybody tell you that God has promised you a great life here. That God has promised you wealth and riches beyond your wildest dreams. Don't let anybody tell you that God wants you to own a Cadillac. God doesn't care what you drive. There is no hope in people. There's no hope in money. There's no hope in a job. There's no hope in things. But there is, there is hope in faith. You see, faith, it emboldens us. We are promised through God's word that we don't have to have a spirit of fear. It's like they talked about. We don't have to have a spirit of fear. But of love, of power, and of sound mind. Ravi Zacharias, who is probably one of the greatest men that have lived in the past 50 years. If, you, if you've never listened to Ravi Zacharias, when you leave here, just go listen to him for like the next eight hours. 
don't don't go and relive anything I've ever said or anything else. Just go go listen to him. Find his books, something. But Ravi Zacharias said, there is no greater discovery than seeing God as the authority of your destiny. And he's the guy we listen to because this guy, he, he put that faith there. He was out there. He had the hard conversations with people. He put himself in the way of people that, that wanted to... To make him look foolish, to discredit him. But he 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 passed on. He went. He died a couple of months ago, and I can only imagine that he did that. He took that last breath and he closed his eyes and he he woke up. And he saw the light and he saw God standing there, and God said, Thank you. You showed people the life that I have called for them and that they can have joy in that life. Hope is trust, y'all. We trust God. And when you trust God, what's the line? If, if my God is for us, then who can be against us? There's a moment in the second installment of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It happens in the movie. It also happens in the book. But there's a moment when Frodo, is he's taking the ring, he can't do it anymore. He decides he just wants to give up because this is a hard journey. There are people coming after him. There has been pain. There has been suffering. And he just can't do it. But his buddy Sam is there. And Sam begins to talk to him about the stories that they used to be told as children. Full of darkness they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Darkness may come with the night, but joy comes with the morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these struggles. Thank you for putting this in front of us so that we can come to a point of understanding that, that you are the only thing we have hope in, that you are the only thing that will be left standing. We thank you for giving us something to hope in. We love and we praise you and I will pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. And so with that just an encouragement to know that this is temporary. If not the situation that we're in, at least the feeling that we have, the stress that we're dealing with, the pain that we're dealing with, the, the uncertainty and the anxiety, all of that is temporary. Even if nothing gets better, even if we were to live with this virus, with these kind of things for the rest of our lives, eventually we would acclimate. And things would level out, 
and we would be all right. But that's not going to happen. At least it's not likely. Nobody's saying that this is going to be forever. And so hold on. Hold on tightly to your Father in Heaven. Things will get better. Find positive outlet, uh, outlets to get rid of your stress. Join a Celebrate Recover group to be able to talk some things out and to get some positive stuff put in your heads. A lot of CRs, actually, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, a lot of CRs are offering some online small groups, which is a temporary measure. But if that's something that you feel comfortable with doing so you can get some of your burdens off in a, in a, a safer environment, do it. Find one. Guys, this is, this is a tough, tough year. And I know we, we, we struggle with talking about this, you know, you know, we get tired of talking about COVID-19 and all the effects on the morning show, but that's, uh, you know, the main thing that's happening in our world and there's just no escaping it. And that's why occasionally we've done these kind of special episodes where we really focus on self-care, how to be better, how to use this time to grow you instead of make you worse, make you better. Better man or woman, better father, better mother, better husband, better wife, better boyfriend, better girlfriend, better son, better daughter, better person for you, for God, and for everyone that loves you. You can do it. We can help. Continue to stick with us here at Back Row Radio as we start to go through some cool changes here in the near future. And I mean very near future. And uh, you might find an even bigger community soon who is ready and willing to accept you, warts and all, and help you get better. As we love you and we're praying for you. Stick around. I'll be back to close out the show in just a few minutes. And uh, enjoy some of this music. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug. The show is coming to a close for today. But first, I want to share with you something that I love. This is something that we do at the end of every episode. Share something fun out there that hopefully you'll get a kick out of. And today, I want to bring up to you a show that I have recently rediscovered because of Disney Plus, which, man, I love that channel so much. Uh, Disney Plus has brought back into my life a very, very beloved childhood show called smart guy it was it was about a a little kid who had a genius iq and so he was bumped up to high school with his older brother and their friend and it was uh, taj maori who was playing a little kid who who you might not recognize that name right away but you probably recognize tia and tamara maori the twins from the show sister sister uh you know that was their little brother uh, all three of them also believers have been for their whole lives as far as I'm aware. And uh, the show itself, Smart Guy, was phenomenal. Lasted not nearly long enough. Only lasted for, I think, two, 
three seasons, but the first season was only a few episodes long. Uh, so I'd say two and a half seasons. Uh, but this was one of the best written shows produced for the Disney Channel for kids. Like this was quality level that I would watch it today if it was on prime time on a network. You know what I mean? Like it, it is it is extremely funny. The guy who plays the character Mo, which is the best friend of the older brother, uh, that is Omar Gooding, uh, who's related to Cuba Gooding Jr. I believe it's his brother. Um, but that dude is hilarious. I you know I've I've looked at his IMDb page and he's been on a lot of things that I've never seen before. He's even been the leading man of a a sitcom. Uh, for the last five years that I've never even heard of, but I'm going to go try it out because that dude is flipping funny, way funnier than Cuba Gooding Jr. ever was, in my opinion. Uh, but I mean, it's just it's such a, a great show. But the best part about it, I think, is the dad. Me and my friends were having a conversation recently about who the who the best TV dad was. And, you know, it used to be, you know, your automatic response would be for a lot of people would be Bill Cosby. And now that we've had to like reevaluate how we think about Bill Cosby and every project he's ever been in, that's no longer an automatic response. But it's also made us think a little bit more critically about the TV dads that we've seen. Uh, people have brought up uh, Tim Taylor from Home Improvement, but you know he he messes up a lot, and that's kind of the point of it. Um, it's about him learning, so it's not really about him being being the father it's about him learning alongside his kids which isn't a bad thing he's definitely a great tv dad but he's not so much the great mentor that you know we're, we're kind of equating this with he is mentored by a lot of people wilson his wife a bunch of other people um but other people in the running would be like uncle phil from fresh prince bel-air he's a great dad but he has his problems as well but when it comes to the quintessential tv dad and honestly, I can't even remember the guy's name, the character's name off the top of my hand, or the actor. But the dad in Smart Guy. Like, that's what somebody said to me. The dad from Smart Guy. And in re-watching this show, yeah. Yeah. Now, sure, he has his own flaws, but the way he handles them is the perfect way to handle them. And the way he handles being a father perfectly mirrors how I want to be a father to my kids. So if you haven't seen smart guy, or if it's been a minute since you've seen smart guy, like it has been for me, go rewatch that thing. Like I said, it's only two and a half seasons. I ain't going to take you long, especially during COVID. Go check that out. Rewatch it on Disney plus. It is well worth your time. Shout out to my former pastor, Kevin Wellborn for uh, inspiring me to watch that because goodness gracious, there's a lot of things, you know, we go back and we think, oh, I'm going to rewatch that thing that I watched when I was a kid. I'm sure it's going to be great, like Saved by the Bell or something. And you turn it on and like, oh, this is awful. This is just a terrible, terrible show. Smart Guy is not one of those things. Smart Guy holds up. I probably am enjoying it now far more than I did when I was a kid. So go check that out. Bible verse for the day. Let's close out our show. Romans 12, 4 through 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, as one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. We need each other, guys. That's what I'm talking about.
We need to uplift each other. Thank you for joining us. There is a Backroom Morning Show every weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Bo and I bring you the morning side hug most of the week, and Bubba and Anna bring you church nerds every Friday. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Backrow Radio and join our laughter-inducing Facebook community, Backrow Baptist Church, by going to backrowbaptist.com. If you miss a morning show, you can subscribe to the podcast version of the Morning Side Hug on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most podcast apps and catch up on our Monday through Wednesday shows. Coming up tomorrow, we got another best of. We're going to go bring back some classic stuff that was really funny that we think you'd still enjoy now and take a break from the COVID-19 stuff. <laughs> and then Mo and I plan on being back here next Monday with two brand new shows at least. So, uh, you know, join us then. Once again, I'm Matt. Remember that Jesus loves you. And if you see us around, we'd love a side hug. <laughs>